Hi, and welcome back to Stand Partners for Life, where we bring you the secrets of the symphony. I'm Nathan Cole. I'm Akiko Taramoto. And when I say Stand Partners for Life, I'm really not kidding. We are married, for those of you who have not been with us for a while, which is everybody, since we haven't released any episodes for a while. I think uh, the last two years disrupted uh, pretty much everyone's schedule and our podcasting schedule most definitely included in that i am although let's why why didn't we were we not talking to each other during the pandemic i don't know why we didn't just sit down and we had like all the time in the world to do this so well that's the whole thing right all the time although i guess we didn't really have that much material anymore though yeah that's part of it right (laughs) It's hard to hard to reveal the secrets of the symphony when the symphony's mostly staying at home, and now we've been back for a little while. So I, I don't know. I felt inspired. I think you did too. Yeah, like we you know we built up some some more secrets. Definitely, um, and hopefully now, ones we can share. Yeah, well we'll we'll work on the ones we can share and try to ignore the rest. If you have never listened to Stand Partners for Life, um, we. We are not literally stand partners, but we're close enough. I'm what they call first associate concertmaster in the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Akiko is assistant concertmaster, but we do actually sit together, especially in the summers, a fair amount. Yeah, sometimes. Depending on who's around, who's not, and that's just the sort of thing we'll get into. You know, as this is our first episode back, um, we're looking at some new ways of of putting out these episodes, basing them a little bit more on the week to week, you know, the repertoire, the goings on at work each week, rather than the more general concepts, although we'll get to those too. And I think you had a really good idea that for this first episode back, we might take a broader look, sort of all time favorite this, all time least favorite that. Yeah, I thought it was a good way to, you know, sort of break back into it. Yeah, I mean, for the week to week coming up, we have a lot of fun categories, uh, awards we can give. I, I think it'll be a really fun way to to sort of look behind the curtain each week. Um, and we're going to use some of those categories, give out some of those awards today too. So these are the more more all time. Um, so we we hope you enjoy them too. Um, and the first category now this was. I think this was a, a you pick, Akiko. Um, composers that you'd like to have dinner with, be they alive or dead. Well, we're imagining that if we're having them to dinner, they're alive. John Adams. I nice. think we, maybe we have the same live pick. I don't know. Because, um, you know, he's just, he's really interesting. He's um, super smart. He's, you know, he's got great talent, obviously, and great taste and you know, seems fun to interact with. And, and we know that because we, we interacted with him, you know, somewhat with him on the podium. And then, you know, and you've talked to him quite a bit. So I just, I feel like that's just kind of uh, an easy, an easy pick. Well, yeah. And although we haven't had dinner with him, yeah. Easy to imagine he could, uh, if you wanted to let him, he could carry the conversation. He can talk about art, literature, photography, um, I don't yeah. know what his sports knowledge is, but I'll bet it's I, something. <laughs> something. No, yeah, he's he's super he'd... fun and interesting. Yeah, ones. easy to. I feel like he would he would charm the crowd. So yeah, I, I, I mean, he, yeah, he is who I 
thought of when I when I thought of people I'd had a lot of interaction with. Uh, we we met and have worked with Tom Addis recently. Um, <laughs> you had a little a little time go by for the memory of our, our performance of Arcadiana to to mellow a little bit and then. Yeah, there's some lingering embarrassment on our part, maybe over a string quartet performance. But as long as as long as he was willing to let bygones be bygones, I think we could have a a fun dinner with. (laughs) That might have to be a whole other podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, keep going. Who who else? Okay, so I thought about this some more, and I was like, well, like you know, what am I thinking? Favorite composer, whatever. I thought, you know, I'm sure Berlioz would probably be, you know pretty pretty fun to hang out with anyway yeah he was one of my picks too you oh weird, looking really? over my shoulder um, at my notes that's that's funny i mean i guess just because you know i have i kind of have a a deficit of actual biographical knowledge about a lot of these people so it's hard for me to say so i read the beethoven biography i sense he would be less fun just you know beethoven yeah just he, he seems a little bit irascible so that's not exactly what i would look for in a dinner party companion um yeah standing up and backstabbing his friends and yeah not that so much just like you know shouting and just a little unpredictable so uh so i ruled out beethoven even though you know one of my favorite composers um and barely as i thought well you know the opium and everything is probably at least you know a good time yeah but... you could count on him to bring Maybe, although then if you think about it, I don't actually know what it's like to hang out with an opium addict, so it's possible he would also be unpredictable and sort of <laughs> unreliable, not not things I'd look forward to in a dinner companion. You could probably tell by the look in his eye when, when you answered the door. <laughs> I mean, also with him being a critic, you know, you, he could uh, kind of dish on, on the true. other composers to tell you all you want to know about them. That's true. Uh, but I sort of settled on, like, Mahler. I thought he maybe hmm. he'd be, you know... It's, you know, it's hard to think of somebody whose music I enjoy performing more. So, you know, if the conversation flagged, we could probably get into that. You don't think he'd kind of turn to the dark side and get sort of fatalistic? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see him as an optimistic. Well, you know, of... neither am I. So we'd have that in common. I think it's, <laughs> I think I sense that, that in common. So what about you? Um, yeah, I had it. <laughs> There were a few people that I just, I, I almost, this, this is turning into more of like a back to the future type thing. I almost wanted to kind of put my arm around them and give them some advice. Um, like <laughs> Schubert, you know, I don't know, give him a dose of penicillin to take back say. with him or something, <laughs> or just tell him to take care of himself. Same with Mozart. Um, I, I mean, Mozart, I think a lot of people would think of him but yeah from from the letters that we have of him not just his portrayal in the movie Amadeus which we've right. talked about in in depth on this podcast before but just you know reading the letters he wrote um he would have to be fun and I guess I just fact, he'd be you know he's such a might be he's an such a like hog. Un, untouchable genius somehow I feel like I just like just clam up you know I don't think I'd be able to like be myself how about i feel like bartok we we could probably draw him i thought about bartok he just um he was real tiny wasn't he he was like my height well i I mean i'm not that big either okay i I don't know why that (laughs) he just seems like he'd be sort of like a small intense presence and you know we could tell him like look things look dark now but people are gonna love well, this your music. Is, i'm not talking about people you want to give advice to i'm talking about like just you know they come to the front door they come in you feed them dinner like who yeah. who 
you know. I, I, I would still be curious about, about Bartok. Plus the language barrier, although I didn't, I didn't, you know. I think we've got, yeah, we've got to get past that. There. It's true. I guess I'd have to also take that out. But yeah, I thought about Bartok because, you know, he's just, he just seems really intense. That's you know, plus point. he had that weird thing with that, like, young girl, right? I'd have to sort of avoid uh, that topic. Right. I forgot about that. So it also rule out Berg. Um, Rossini, actually. Sorry. He was on my list. Rossini. That's yeah. A... I mean, in, it, in his huh. day, he was the most popular, you the most famous. You don't think he'd be pompous? I just feel like he really knew how to live the good life. I, I feel like he'd bring some amazing wine. <laughs> No, he. I, I think he just knew how to have a great time. I mean, listen to his music. Wine back he, then. What did that taste like? Okay, yeah. So, yeah, that's. Uh, are, are we? Is that? Has that filled out? I our think. Dinner I think party? that. I think that covers it. I and mean, we could go on. You know, pretend trash talking is pretend interactions we might have with these people. <laughs> I think it'd be fun. I think it's, we it's covered a, it. It's a great. It's a great concept. We're we're gonna keep that. You know, for the each program we play. Oh yeah, like coming we'll, up, we're gonna imagine which of the composers we'd ah, most like to that's a good, which have of, a meal yeah. with yeah well like i say your idea um the next category we have is our favorite conductor move so by this i think we're we're talking sort of gesture or yeah physical gesture yeah we're talking a specific because i mean i had a pretty specific piece okay what's that and gesture i mean i'm we probably have the same one or maybe not. I mean, so there's, you know, I th- we always think of Dutois mm-hmm. um, doing the the sort of horse riding gesture. Yeah. And it was like, but you obviously can't see it. So over the podcast, I'm trying to, it's like a circular motion with his, with his right hand. And mm-hmm. it was like, it was to, and what, what was the, what was the moment there? Um, I, it, I, it was I just imagine. symphonic dances, I think. I, I was also thinking of that piece with him. Um, and then there's the, um, where the bass clarinet, mm-hmm. I can, I can, the things I can hear those notes very specifically. And I can only sort of imagine him moving like, um, as if he's, he suddenly would, he would put his arms out around his body as if he was like twice as big mm-hmm. and he would sway a little bit from side to side to sort of indicate this. Like, so it's that part where the bass clarinet plays a bum, 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 bum. I got the wrong notes. <laughs> it sounds terrible. Um, I wish I could remember the, the pitches, but yeah. But you know I'm, which I'm, I'm getting the about. picture. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, I always loved that it was sort of independent of actual, sort of you know, whatever they called ceiling floor. Oh, for door, like one, door. two, three, four. Yeah, right. like it was completely not at all like anything you would learn in school or anything. Yeah, not a but, textbook, but it, and it was so. It was just so physically representative of the kind of sound he wanted um i was thinking at the very end of the piece too with the isn't it the tam tam the gong or whatever <laughs> and so his final cutoff also resulted in him sweeping around to face the audience for a bow that's right <laughs> that <laughs> was gonna be my one. number one i feel pick like yeah for... that's a great ending move i just i think for i was thinking of one that just was just like so weird it would just but it would just connect you to a sound but there's no actual reason. There's no way you could explain to someone how that would work. No, it's, I mean, all of these, uh, it's like effective acting, right? And, you know, you, something goes too far over the top or, or it doesn't fit and it just looks like an affectation. But when it 
works, even if it looks strange at first, then it, it really works. I think you have to have a just complete confidence in your total control of the orchestra in order to to be able to do that without feeling like you're, you're just going to look dumb, you know. <laughs> but it just, yeah, it was it was really something. And then um, I thought maybe you were going to mention Barenboim. Um, he had a lot, and I'm trying to think of. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, the one that pops to my mind instantly is just him putting his hand in his. Didn't he like, or he would just lean against? He would just stop. Right. Like during. <laughs> was it just? I mean, Bolero, but it must have been other pieces too. But oh, it was not like, in a not like not the kind when he was like angry and trying to withdraw from. He was like, he was just now he was enjoying it and he was going to let you let him yeah. enjoy it. You know, it was it was. Um, that was great when it worked. He would also pick some <laughs> really dicey moments to do that, like just when you thought oh, a conductor would really come in useful here, then he would like lean back and cross his arms and say, "Why don't you guys handle this?" <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. He didn't do that in Mahler. Well, he probably did, actually. <laughs> um, speaking of, with, with our music director, uh, Gustavo Dudamel, I think we're, we're starting to piece together a code of different hand and pocket meanings. <laughs> you know, right hand in the pocket or left hand oh, in the pocket. Is there, does one mean like, I'm happy? <laughs> mean like, I feel like there happy. are some, some signals there. <laughs> yeah. do, how about... Um, how about least favorite conductor moves? I've got one, and you know, for obvious reasons, I'm not attaching names to it. I know, I know but... which one you're gonna say. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, see, see if you're right. I, I well, was we thinking. Can, we of... can make a general. Home. Stamping is almost never. Um, yeah, I mean that. I can't really think of a time when stamping is not bad. I mean, that's yeah. We yeah, tell toddlers not to do that. Hmm? We tell toddlers not to do that. Yeah. In, in in general, in life, I think no stamping, you know. <laughs> um, I suppose uh, of the more sort of classically conductorly type things, I was thinking of the simultaneous hand, uh, you know, palm down to the violin section to tell us to play less while simultaneously with the other hand pointing at some more important section of the orchestra at the moment. Yeah, I mean, but that's, yeah, that's, you know, yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of my least there favorite. Is, there's a vast repertoire of moves that involve sticking your hand in the face, <laughs> face of the, the violins. And yeah, so it's funny it's in school. Uh, you know, the brass players, uh, trombone players, would often complain about you know getting the so-called hand, um, <laughs> but they'd never seen it close up. It's it's quite another thing to have it almost literally in your face. Yeah, well, you know. You, <laughs> Up there, up there, it's one, one of the hazards of your job, getting a hand <laughs> inches from your face. Um, now, this this is an interesting category, toughest violin lick. Um, so yeah. is this, you're, you're thinking just like, this is all time, huh? <laughs> I, I picked it because I think it's very unexpected. Mm -hmm. And yet, I guarantee you, if you ask me to try to play it right now, it would sound just terrible. And I don't know really how to make it sound better. Hmm. Do you have any guesses? It's 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 a good one because, like I said, it's not at all obvious. Uh, something that, yeah, it, it's just for years. Every time it I, comes up, I'm just like, oh, this part's gonna sound terrible. I mean, I'm thinking of something that would come out of nowhere, like the Bruckner Nine Scherzo. 
No, that's a bad one, but no, I'm I'm thinking of something a little less. Okay. Um reveal it. Oh, American in Paris, the end of the first page. Oh, the <laughs> I can't play that. I don't know. And I think I partially I picked it cuz I think it's me. Like I have some kind of like you know, oh. it's an embarrassing because it's just it's just Gershwin, you know. Well, I mean, Gershwin is hard. Oh, there's a number of things about that. that that's a really good one, actually. Because then it also involves like on and off the string and changing directions quickly. And in addition to like getting down from, you know, really high up. And it just it's just so easy to just sound awful. And, you know, if I it's, it's OK if you're hiding, but it's just if it was an audition list, I don't know what I would do. I guess I would have to get it better, but. And don't underestimate, too, the fact that that part, I, I forget if we finally got a properly printed part for that piece, but, you know, since it was written, it's been that handwritten chicken scratch yeah. thing where some of the measures are like a quarter of an inch long and other ones are three inches long. Well, <laughs> and that's some of true, them go on I, multiple I think, lines. And I really think it's too late for me. It's like I've played it so badly so many times. Like, I just think that's it. I don't think there's like... It's too much damage. I don't think like a clean part that's like looks nice and is legible is going to do it anymore. I think it's just, you know, it's in there wrong. I, I bet it would make a, a difference. Yeah, maybe but... some difference. Oh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we should test this. Maybe if you, you should just do those few measures for me. and <laughs> I'll write know. it up on Sibelius yeah, or Finale and or something. See if, you know, <laughs> finally like, oh, I, I found break this, this <laughs> terrible, vicious cycle of incompetence. Okay, wow. Um, Wait, I had another one. Yeah? Um, Copeland, Appalachian Spring. That's another one that's just like... It's just that um, the E flat, I, I can't... Oh, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's E flat, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just... I, I, I dread it. It like makes my palms sweat the whole time, just thinking I have to play that E flat. I think because the counting is so tricky approaching it, it's not like you can just go, here's where it's supposed to happen. You're like counting and, you know, and meanwhile you're counting and you're, you know, all these kind of irregular measures and beats. And then you're trying to, at the same time, just imagine you're going to smoothly nail, you know, this kind of treacherous and very fast, you know, and it's so exposed. Yikes. You know, and we did it on tour and it was like, oh God, it's stressful. <laughs> and it's what you, it's the kind of thing too, you know, it's coming, you can see it's coming for several lines, but, but it is moving fast and it's, it's kind of like you're standing on the train tracks and you see the train coming and. Well, if I knew for sure, like I just, the counting is a huge part of it for me. Like I, I just can't, right. I don't know why it's someday I will get that. I think I can fix cause I can just, I can get real secure about the counting. Because you know. the only thing worse than playing it normally badly would be doing the same thing, but a beat or a measure before. Yeah, because like if you come in a little early, then every you know it just creates like a lot of instability. Even though, you know you're not going to play the high E flat in the wrong place, but but yeah. So I, those are my two. Those, and I chose them because I think they're like personal failings. You know, I don't feel like these are. It's sort of boring to be like, oh, you know, whatever piece. Like Prokofiev Five is a lot of hard parts. Like yeah, but. For me, this is like, these are problems that, you know, I don't think everybody has. I think they're like partially my problem. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's cheating to mention a concertmaster solo because it's not, you know, everybody doesn't play it together. You, but You with the, you're like, oh, hand in my face. Oh, concertmaster solo. <laughs> 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 oh, poor me. Hey, 
second chair and get a lot of hand. I probably get more hand in the face in <laughs> second chair because the hand sort it's of true. It kind of you know floats over there. First chair. It's true. Okay. Um, but I, I the one I'm thinking of is the the solo from Don Juan oh, that comes at yeah. the top of the second page. Yeah, that one. It just. Well, I've never had to play it in concerts. Well, auditions, maybe. Uh, yeah, but it's it's different, obviously. Um, I mean, some there we have another category later on about sort of dreaded moments, and and maybe this one sort of there there's some overlap between this category and that one, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll probably get to some some more uh, yeah terrifying bits there. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is terrifying. Okay. I mean, I might say for yeah, worst violin like I I just feel like every Dvorak piece has some finger twister, usually near the end. Um, yeah some something true. with a pattern where your hand's tired and you know what it's supposed to be but you just can't get the fingers to do it um yeah even like new world doesn't new world have something at the end or i'm like yeah because uh, like, divorce always gets really fast at the end yeah or my I, I guess i was i mean we just played seven that mm-hmm. has that thing that i think i finally figured out what those notes are it's only taken yeah. like 20 years 22 years well Luckily, here we are. We're <laughs> veterans. Just just in time but, to not be able to play them anymore. I was just going to say, yeah, once our hands now can't do it anymore. Now that I know what anymore. those notes are, now I can't actually do it. Um, most embarrassing moment. Now, this is this is sort of, this is you-specific, right? Or me-specific. Um, like something that happened. Oh, no, it has to be like something that happened to us. Something yeah. that, okay. Um, well, you know mine. I mean, it's, I don't think there's even a close second. Um you talking about Tchaikovsky? Yeah, so this was, you know, back in Chicago. So it was probably, probably almost 15 years ago now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we were playing um, Tchaikovsky Mozartiana. No, no, it's just, uh, I'm sure if anybody knows the piece, they'll know the moment. There's like, uh, there's these chords that happen. And earlier in the movement, they happen on each quarter note. But at the end of that movement, because Tchaikovsky was just so clever <laughs> it's just on the downbeats so um yeah i i i remember specifically it was like way in the back i tried to look up you know i don't know if i was really tired but when i looked up like i remember thinking okay so now there's another chord in the next beat and i was staring up at the conductor and then all of a sudden i realized that like i had played this huge chord in just a completely empty rest there's nothing else happening in that rest and it just like it was like it was supposed to be like num num but i was like num num and i just like rang into the hall and i wasn't even that fast there was like plenty of time for it to just sort of like hang there nice reverb yeah and then at the, it was the kind of thing where at the end everyone is going oh my god who was that? who was that like and they ask you and you're like i don't know <laughs> but i didn't, didn't see anything you're like yeah wow that, that was pretty bad <laughs> Ooh, that person's probably pretty embarrassed um yeah so that was like by far i don't think i have one that wow. comes close and that was the by far the, i'm still embarrassed thinking i'm like blushing just getting all sweaty thinking about that moment yeah i i feel like i just i have so many more of that kind of thing that it <laughs> None of them is standing out. I mean, the the embarrassing moment that... You don't have any of those. I can't think of one. Oh, I... I, I come in loud and No, wrong. no, but it's different when there's just nothing. 
<laughs> just silence and you come crashing in. Those are those are special. Those don't happen to everybody. <laughs> well, like, uh, you know, as Baron Boym used to say, at least you weren't twice wrong. Right? You came yes. in with the right sound and the right dynamic and articulation and everything. Well, you're assuming that. You don't know. <laughs> I know you're... It sounded horrible. It was probably, like, really out of tune and... It's probably like 10 times wrong. No. <laughs> All right. Well, my, my embarrassing moment that I'm, I'm thinking of actually happened in rehearsal also in Chicago. So, right. Well, it was the first time. So it must have been before you joined Chicago. Wasn't that Tchaikovsky? Are you talking about that? Oh, I'm th- that happened in a concert, the end of Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. I See, that I wasn't quite as embarrassed because the conductor actually cued cued the wrong entrance so i took the bait but there was only so bad i could feel about that because you know. right um no i i'm thinking of the first time i played Mahler nine mm. and yeah that's not the last time we're going to mention Mahler nine during this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and um in rehearsal i i was just trying to keep my head above water you know trying to read the part while at the same time you know looking up all the time because you know, anything can happen especially this was Berenboim conducting and i remember i i was really trying to stare up and i i looked down and i realized as i looked down at the music i'd kind of lost my place um but i felt like i should probably look up again even though i didn't know what i was <laughs> playing and that he was staring directly at me yeah he did that because my bow wasn't doing the same thing as everyone else's and he actually stopped conducting to make the shrug sign and shake his head like what are you doing <laughs> I just, yeah it felt so unfair i don't know i was like i'm in the back here come on <laughs> well this ties into something i want to talk about later actually okay it does um um i thought you were gonna talk about and we probably already mentioned on the podcast well, you know all my embarrassing moments. yeah there is a i think we probably talked about it the, the one where um you know we were doing the show with the dancers and so just, you know, for the uh, listeners, I'll recap this. So yeah, um, we were doing a show with um, Hubbard Street Dance Company in Chicago. And um, it was it was really cool. I don't remember the piece. And then at the end, it, it was um, Zuckerman was conducting, right? And right. they said, is there, um, in rehearsal, they asked if there was a violinist who was willing to jump up out of out of their seat and point at the dancer who was standing there and and just and as as the the violinist would as as the orchestra member i think it could have been anyone as this person stood up and pointed the spotlight would go out and she would like go limp as if like like pointing at her had, had turned off the light and everything yeah um for some reason this sounds really elaborate and they just didn't bother <laughs> rehearsing it they just i think it's like the end of rehearsal and like okay you they're like all right you know you know i was always that guy whatever whatever right, weird the dog thing barking had to or you know playing playing in the far reaches of the hall by yourself like it was always <laughs> so you know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why they didn't rehearse it I know. I, I'm sure it just sounded easy. Or did like, they? Maybe they didn't. It worked in rehearsal. Maybe I'm remembering this wrong. But anyway, so at the end of the concert, and it was the very last thing that happened in the concert too. You know, so you know, everyone's like, Nathan's gonna do it. Nathan's gonna do it. So he's like, all right, you know. So he does exactly as he was told. You know, as Nathan does, he doesn't do things like incorrectly. <laughs> you know, and so he <laughs> jumps up, points at the dancer, and absolutely nothing happens. 
and everyone just starts like clapping in the audience and Nathan's just standing there like what do I do now and yeah I think I sat back down yeah and afterwards I think I I went up to you and said I'm not gonna lie a lot of people saw that yeah I I mean they (laughs) definitely never before has an orchestra finished a piece and one person jumps up and slashes with their bow (laughs) yeah that that was like hey you know people are probably still talking about that that guy we saw this crazy violinist yeah leave out of a seat i thought he'd lost he'd lost his mind um so yeah i i thought that's what you were gonna say but i wanted to say it for you because that was pretty embarrassing <laughs> well thank in ca- you in case you in case you were planning on not telling everybody and we were we may only have been dating at that point so you, you still decided no, i think to... we were married okay so yeah. you were stuck I was stuck no it was hilarious and it was again not your fault because they told you to do that it wasn't your fault that they didn't <laughs> follow through on their end of it the the, the tech equivalent of nathan was not running things up there you know that's right or maybe it was somebody with a real sense of humor that was their plan all along maybe it was somebody you like wronged in the past and they just were like i'm gonna get that guy yeah they got the job as the tech person yeah just on purpose dance company (laughs) or yeah i i I think there's orchestral karma i'd probably done something (laughs) bad earlier in the concert and it had that coming to me um our next category is well, audience member stars. Now, I think by this, we're, we're kind of looking back at some of the the fun and unexpectedly famous or show-busy type people that mm-hmm. we've seen seen in the audience. Yeah, or even... Oh, then I, I just thought of... So both of mine are from the same show. Okay. Oh, but there's... A bit, okay, for me... Because I can't... I feel like my maybe my vision's not that good. I mean, there are... Okay, there's just so many. (laughs) That's why you're always spotting celebrities. (laughs) Oh, it's Barbara Streisand. (laughs) Well, no, they're always spotted for me, and then I get excited afterwards. But, like, um, you know, seeing Larry David in the audience... Yeah, that was That was was pretty fun. That was... Although he was very far away, so it was really just, like, had to squint. Um, (laughs) I mean, so for... I think... How many years ago is this now? Oh, and it was actually in Chicago also, I think. Um, we saw a dancer on the stage, and I said, I recognize that guy from Sex in the City. And it was, it was, um, <laughs> it was, he was, he was, he was in Sex in the City. He was like a very, he was had a very small part. Um, Remember and, this? He was, he was like in the, in the gay couple and they, and they want to sleep with Samantha. Okay. I yeah. I thought you were making a joke before about a small part, but. Wait, why? From Sex in the City. Wait, why? Anyway, a bad joke. Oh, um, you saw another Sex in the City extra just see, recently. Re- yeah. Okay. So the the more exciting one, and the, again, I can't really see that well. So you know, I had to be told by Johnny was um was Derek the underwear model. Wow. Which only diehard fans are gonna get this reference, <laughs> I assume. And we're pretty sure it was him. His name, his, his the actor's <laughs> name was Andrea Boccoletti. I looked it up. Wow. Well, because Johnny already knew it. He already had been like following him on Instagram. Okay. And so I think he was trying to like confirm it was him, but we were pretty sure. Yeah. And he was sitting like right next to the stage. So, and That's... I was, you know, it was really irrational. But we, we were playing um, Rachmaninoff Symphony and the whole time it's pretty long. You know, it's like, it's like over 15 minutes. I was like, yeah. oh, he's going to leave. <laughs> He's gonna just go like get up and just be like like oh this is boring. But he stayed. He was there at the at the end. Lights came up. I was like oh thank God. You know you Derek think these is still there. <laughs> people are shallow for 
and having a small role in Sex in the City and they're their real Rachmaninoff aficionados. Yeah, I, you know, I was flattered that this guy likes classical music. So I thought, you know, we were not totally irrelevant after all. After all. I mean, since coming to LA, we, we've seen a, a number of folks. I, I thought you were going to start with, yeah, some of the a, A-listers, but... No, but like, you know, I mean... Like, oh, once I saw, you know, so-and-so. It's like, it's not as fun as, as being like, hey, this totally random person from this show. True. I mean, I I guess I would start with, well, I, I always got a kick out of seeing William Shatner at our galas sitting yeah. close enough to the front. Um, mm-hmm. Nice, nice center seat. No, um, but I know which one you're more, most excited about. Not to steal all your answers for you. Well, okay. So we were playing Mises Solemnus yes. by Beethoven. Yep. And right before we started, I look out and I got this prickly feeling because I saw this, this, what looked like a giant disembodied head out there in the crowd because of the lighting. And it was the face of the bad guy from RoboCop and also the dad from that 70s show. But yeah, Kurt Wood Smith was out there here in a Mesa Solemnus. And that was a strange, a strange sort of juxtaposition to, to deal with over the whole course of that piece. At least you weren't concertmaster, right? Never True, been. to play the giant solo with Clarence Boddicker giant solo staring giant at me. <laughs> um, and then just the, the number of Lakers that we've, yeah. that we've seen. L.A. Lakers, I mean, yeah. Kobe. That's true, there's been like three. Um, yeah, well, three of the, the very biggest stars uh, have been to see, you know, been to see you perform uh, Kobe at the, at the Hollywood Bowl, Magic, um, that was at a, an oh, app, right. that was at a separate Not event film. that we played. But that's um, four then. Well, and then, uh, Kareem himself where, right. um, <laughs> and I, I've told you so many times that we, we were walking backstage and, um, I went to use the restroom and when I came out, I knew he had been in the audience cause I'd seen him out there. I mean, it's, he's impossible to miss, um, but then you said, oh, he just walked back down through the hallway and he said hello. And I'm like, wait, 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 Kareem said hello. I think he said you. good job. Good job. And I, I I had to tell you, look, he has famously, you know, turned away kids, uh, you know, lifelong fans. He, he doesn't talk to anybody. <laughs> he told you good job. Yeah, and I, yeah, I was in the can and missed the whole thing. So, yeah, um, but you're missing Pal Gasol. He was and Pal Gasol, mm-hmm. yeah, who had to duck to get through the doorway that yeah yeah will never be a problem for me yeah exactly yeah Yeah, no that those those are fun because especially in the hall it's pretty close you can see them yeah disney hall is good like that you you do feel like you're you and the audience are part of the same experience oh but we have to give our little shout out to to the the one who sits in the front row on you know is it sundays i forget oh yeah yeah Yeah, wendy malik yep I always hope she Frasier notices my shoes. I always try to wear the good shoes. I'm sure she does. If she's listening, <laughs> next time you see a Kiko, Wendy, just... Uh... Just say just nice shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this this will be a good one and uh, one that we'll come back to each week too, but uh, goosebump moments. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many. You know, I wasn't yeah. sure um, well, how to I mean, pick. You, you know, can go I mean, obvious or... or... So Some like one, ones. I, you know, there's just a gazillion, you probably yell out a piece and I could give you the, the goosebump moment in that one. But, um, 
like the, when the sun comes out in Alpine Symphony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking, well, I had Alpine in a different category. I mean, Strauss, but yeah. just cause a lot of Strauss, you know, uh, Rosen Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Like at toward, you know, the, towards the end. Right before the final waltz. Uh, yeah, is, is, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like the, the big climactic moment in the suite. Anyway, right. Yeah. Yeah, that always, you know, doesn't. But then like the quieter ones, like the lesser of bombastic. Um, no, there's um, uh, the there's this Mahler song and I, I, I there's no way I could get the name right. Because um, it's a very long German title. But um, <laughs> it's I, I think it's it maybe always called like um, um, the Develt something. It's something abhanden. But anyway, so it's uh, we did it with um, uh, Christian St- Stottin. Okay. It's mezzo and I just remember it was like so. <laughs> it was so verklempt. I couldn't like it was hard for me to keep my bow on the string because it was like because we have a very slow high um, gliss. It was one of those Mahler moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so beautiful. It's, it's it's you know it's sad because you think it's so beautiful you should be able to just lose yourself, but sometimes you just you it's the opposite. Like it's just overwhelming, you know. Well, and also when you still have a, <laughs> a job to do that's supposed to involve steady hands and. Yeah, I think I'm. I, I think I have the heart of like a little hamster or something. I just like, <laughs> stop being like a jackhammer when I get excited. Um, yeah, I ha- I have a couple that are probably fairly obvious, but you know the slow movement of Beethoven Seven, um, almost as soon as it starts, actually, because I, I feel mm. like I'm it's strange. Strange funeral march is a strange pick. Beethoven Seven, right? Funeral March, right? Um, yeah, I mean, not like as dark as Beethoven Three, though. I was gonna say if I could see Beethoven Three, like the huge, um, you know, the big, the big chord in the slow movement. Sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Can't okay, I'm not gonna poo-poo. We're not here to you know judge. Okay, yeah. good. Beethoven Seven, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Beethoven. <laughs> you know, part of that too was the the first time I saw that as an audience member live. You know, so that that's an interesting thing where I'm I'm always kind of remembering what my reaction was as a listener, even even as I'm playing. So that's maybe a slightly different. Yeah, but, and then also, <laughs> well, it's like me with Muller Nine. I feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember hearing. Well, I you know what's weird? I think we just played it here, but it was I was it was just. You know, it was not such a like great musical experience the first time I played it. And then when I think when I moved to Chicago, it was it was literally the first thing I heard CSO play. And I was there. That's yeah. really what it was. You saw. Well, it was. It was. Saw me on stage. It was the first day that we like saw each other. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it's just more. Just the piece was so great. <laughs> I, I had an assist, assist from Mahler. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I other... think the very the, my 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 happy having fondest musical memories are just sort of just about the music, you know, right? I mean, that would be another one. That would be a good one. Do we have pieces for which there are log- extra musical associations? Uh, I mean, I'd say that's most of them for me. Hmm. Maybe it's more than I think. I don't know. But I, right, I mean, we always uh, for I think us, you know, we... Bartok second string quartet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
All right. So we played that together and I was not your favorite person. Well, again, uh, we have many, we have a lot experience. of material apparently for more podcasts. Although I'm pretty sure we covered that at some point. But yeah. the, covered it too much. <laughs> um, I had also, my, my other sort of cheesy pick for Goosebumps was uh, Pines of Rome. Just oh, the yeah. last movement always gets me again yeah, like yeah yeah see i mean i think i think a lot just a ton of pieces there's such you know great moments and yeah there's just so much build up right and you i also like fountains yeah. of rome oh yeah right oh yeah, for sure yeah. good moments there speedy i bet he'd be a fun dinner yeah maybe I, mean, I don't really know anything about him other yeah me either That's... i need a little more to go on well, you, you get to know people at dinner parties but i mean if he can if he can summon up these pines and fountains so brilliantly yeah. i'm sure yeah. he must have something to say true yeah maybe Mahler's kind of a stodgy pick okay um <laughs> okay dreaded moments now these are right these are basically violin passages so it's a little bit different than toughest violin licks so it's not no you know again this these is... might be things right that are fine to play on your own in the practice room, but it's a completely different thing in context. Yeah. So like I had Mahler six down strangely, even that's kind of a stealth. Um, I mean the really high thing at the, the end, end of, of the, the slow, slow movement. Yeah. yeah. Second or third, depending on how, how it's placed. Right. But um, yeah, I just, I had like a really distinct memory of, well, like I suddenly, I remember, um, and this ties into another thing I was, so I was sitting like in the back at the first at some point here, like my first years and years ago. And, um, I suddenly just felt like it's really quiet and the bases were like a couple inches away from me, you know? And I was like, <laughs> they can hear me shaking and it really freaked me out. You know, it, it was very hard to get through. And then you could um, hear them digesting <laughs> basically base, basically. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was suddenly and surprisingly just kind of you know hard to do and then i remember high tank rehearsing it with us and um in chicago <laughs> and he just you know it was the kind of thing where someone just barks at you to relax yeah you know not me personally but he was just he kept rehearsing it he just kept he'd look really disappointed and then he was and they would i think he would actually just like just just relax like ah you know i can't <laughs> he needed a, a, a ceo training course or something uh, don't you wonder if that eventually was a a tactic of his to to make the rehearsal really uncomfortable so that because i feel like what happened in the concert was everybody suddenly realized <gasps> he can't like make us do it again really We're, i just know i was i sat there thinking that this man is just waiting to be disappointed <laughs> Which he, he did often have that look. Yeah. I just felt like, <laughs> you know, our, our interactions with him ranged from being ignored to disappointing him grievously. So it was, yeah, I was, I dreaded it. I did. And I still, I, I still think it's pretty hard. Although I do have something to say after this, which is why I said, um, I, I think it really makes a difference where you sit, but we'll get into that mm, um, after yeah. we cover all the, the icky moments here. So um, Mahler 9, you know, Mahler nine and Mahler nine. so the next three that I'm going to mention Mahler nine Shostakovich five and Barbara Adagio are all things when I see them on the schedule I go oh that's gonna it's gonna be uncomfortable mm-hmm. Barbara Adagio I really have a hard time with that one you know it's just and all three of those for the same reason those are all the ones that I dread because 
um, they kind of, they, they get to my Achilles heel, which is just like playing really, really quietly and really softly. So that the, the only way you could mess up is if you, you just like freak out and your bow just goes, you know, like those, those <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like, a, you know, anybody probably would just rather really play and then have to, you know, turn into like a statue with a barely moving arm, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially in orchestra, I think, um, you know, where anonymity is sort of the thing, <laughs> you know, like you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to develop, you know, or acquire attention the wrong way. So I think it's just, you know, one of those things where you're, you're being asked to do something very difficult, which is just to maintain total still and calm. And, and you know, still is the wrong way to think of it. I and mean, I think the more that I think of it is still, you know, with the pulse and moving, even though it seems very still, then the better it is. But, um, so yeah, that's it for me. I think Barbara Adagio has an especially terrible thing, the falling off the cliff dynamic effect that um, <laughs> physically makes it just really hard, you know, because like you're, you're suddenly, you're like playing all out, then all of a sudden you're supposed to just drop down to really nothing. And so, um, yeah, I've had bad moments of that. Well, you, I mean, that reminds me of, uh, has anybody ever done that little uh, test with you um, where you're supposed to lift your arms. So you put your palms toward the floor and you're supposed to lift your arms up and someone else is pressing down on, on like your it's... hands. And when they let go, your arms start floating up of their own accord. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but that That's always the feeling I get in something like the barber, right? Yeah. yeah. You're really playing and then, oh, now play as quietly as you can. And it's like, well, my bow doesn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely doesn't. But what are, I mean, I can't even imagine what, what are your dreaded moments? Do you really, I mean, I mean, so like Brooklyn nine is one that's just playing wise kind of a dreaded moment, you know, but yeah. Um, just not wanting to be the one, I guess, to, to be the most out of tune. Um, you know, Bruckner nine. It's <laughs> funny. I, I have a pick. This is a piece in a passage that used to be on auditions. I think when, <laughs> When we were growing up and first hearing about auditions, people would always say, make sure to practice Beethoven's Leonore number three overture. And I, well, I know the last time I played that, it was probably 15 years ago, because um, we tend not to play it anymore. But, you know, that has a passage for the first violins alone. So this this is kind of the opposite, where it's um, very quick, also quiet. Right. But... first violins alone. Yeah, it can be difficult to, to hear where you are relative yeah. to other people, yeah. And and somehow hard to, you know, conventional wisdom, right? If you feel like you're off, just drop out. And in that passage, it's so fast, it's like it's hard ever to get back in. Yeah. It's like the um, log rolling. Once you're off, you're off. <laughs> um, yeah. But you said you had some concertmaster solos that you were, before I poo-pooed you. But, um... Oh, well, I mean, I mentioned the, the Don Juan solo. Yeah, I mean, Concertmaster solo, I, I don't think any Concertmaster solo is as scary as some of these um, really quiet 2D things you've mentioned because for the solos, you're, you know, you never have to play those as quietly as a 2D well, passage not... and you're you're in control of your own sound and dynamic. I don't know. I think the know. end of Heldenleben is one of the scariest. You know, the high E flat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it depends on kind of what 
what or, your energy is going you know, into it. Um, you know, Shahrazad. Yeah, <laughs> pick pick your poison, E flat or E natural. I guess. Yeah, I haven't had to do these obviously, but um, oh, I remember at school, you know, I had to play at the end of Helden Mm-hmm. Again, I I didn't realize I was going to get so nervous, but I got you know holding that E flat, I got really. Yeah, I mean, it, nerves that you're prepared for. And notice how I remember these are like decades ago and it's still like etched in my brain, you know, it's not that traumatic. Well, it's funny. I was, you know, when I would watch golf tournaments and sometimes they'd interview golfers right after and they'd be like, well, you know, when I put it in the rough on four and then, you know, hit around the tree in six and I think like, how can they remember these things that happened, you know, in these specific holes and right. Yeah. Here you are decades later with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I mean, I, it is hard for me to remember what I did last week, but... Um, <laughs> now, you so, had mentioned yeah. that the next Well, I category... just had, I had a thing because, like, you haven't had this as much... As what me, is the really. category? Let's say what um, it is. So, we're talking about dreaded moments, and I think some of these things that have been so bad, they've gotten way better depending on where I'm sitting, mm-hmm. which is, like, a weird thing for me. I don't know if anybody else ever notices that for themselves but um yeah i always think sitting in the back of the section is like really hard yeah like the hardest you know and like um like where i sit now is like the easiest spot to sit you know because like you're close to the front um also i don't something about sitting outside does make me a little more nervous just because i'm a little more exposed mm-hmm. um but i always like it's weird i like sitting like uh, like i don't like sitting on a riser Right. So it makes me feel like I'm gonna fall off. Like I don't know if I have like vertigo or fear of heights or something, but the very, very, very worst for me was when I used to have to sit um in the back. Very back of the first. At Disney. There's not a lot of room on that back riser. And so to sit in the like towards the very back, especially the back, the very back outside the last stand, or whatever you know, whatever number it was, but you're the very back outside corner. You can't hear that well, so it feels like you're playing by yourself anyway. And then um, on top of it, you feel like you're basically your chair has been placed on this like, you know, yeah, like a little like perch. And you're like you're sitting, <laughs> you know, and if you're feeling a little self-conscious, it just gets really magnified by that spot. So, um, you know, it's weird. I, it, I do feel like now, you know, if I'm in fourth chair, it's like a lot of these things I mentioned are like, yeah, it's no problem, you know, because mm. like. I get to, I have a little more room, you know, on the floor and, um, I like your gesture for having room. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah. like the dutois. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It just, and it, and it is easier to be closer to the conductor in a yes. lot of ways, you know, and to the, into the first stand, if you're close to the first stand, like, you, you know, what's happening, you can just all, all else fails. You just key into what's happening up there, you know? And, um, it's just in your back, in the back, like the, you just feel disconnected from the conductor, from the first stand, from, you know, um, yeah. you know, I've sat in the back of both sections, you know, not that long ago. So I just know, I just, I just know how it feels and it's just, it's really tough, you know, plus like I mentioned, like depending on the setup, you know, um, you could be playing something like very exposed and gnarly with a bunch of you know people not in your section just just right next to you you know just kind of sitting there and you know you know some of them sure they're just thinking about like grocery shopping but you know (laughs) some of them are really sitting there like listening and 
I don't know, you know, probably I'm being overly self-conscious about it, but you know, you worry about that too. So I feel like, um, for sure, you know, if anybody else has noticed out there that they feel better or worse, depending on where they're sitting, you know, sure. I'm, I'm sure it's kind of a neurosis, but like, it's something I also share. So. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're talking about worst places to sit to, um, anytime when you're right in front of the piccolo, for example, something like that. Triangle. Right. And, you know, we, we have great piccolo and triangle players in our orchestra and those parts have to be played. But, uh, when you're right in front of those, you're pretty much forced to wear earplugs. Yeah. And then that's right. That's nobody's favorite. Yeah. Um, then right. How about sitting alone? Sitting with nobody else on the stand. Well, of the, course old we joke always, and... oh, the old joke is my, my favorite stand partner. Yeah. Um, it's been so long. Uh, I think it would be really fun. <laughs> A novelty. Um, we're, we're rounding out the, these categories for today. Um, and so, you know, got a couple couple fun ones. Um, favorite pieces and, and favorite conductors. So, yeah, just favorite pieces people always ask, you know. They do, and it's just it's just so hard for me to. It's just like the goosebumps moments, you know. Um, and it changes, you know. I, there's just there's a ton. There's things we haven't played in a while that I, you know, I, I love. I wish we would. Um, Bartok Concerto for Orchestra. Oh yeah. You know, I think that's certainly one of my favorites. Um, after after a boring, intense dinner with him, we could play as Concerto for Orchestra. Exactly. You know, I just don't think, it, you know, at dinner, I get a lot of mileage out of telling him what a big <laughs> fan I am. He just sort of grunt or something. But, um, yeah, but I do, I, you know, and I think, you know, it's just such a brilliant piece and everything he wrote and string quartets, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess I was drawn to pieces by famous composers that write that we don't get to play so much. Um, I'm thinking like Strauss, Death and Transfiguration. Yeah, it's kind of a downer. <laughs> it's not just Death, there's the Transfiguration. Oh, you know, maybe I'm, I'm confusing it with uh, Metamorphosen. Oh. That's, that's a downer. <laughs> yeah. Don't they both involve some kind of And the change? other weird thing is that, like, I feel like audiences don't like Strauss as much as we do, you know? Like, mm. I'm having the time of my life and I get off stage and people are like, oh, I was all right. It's <laughs> kind of destroyed, you know. Well, this is a chance to be selfish, you know. We're talking about your it's favorite. True, pieces. but you know, it's starting to factor in for me at my age. It's like if the audience isn't having a great time, for a sense they're not having a good time, which is a huge part of my, you know, performance anxiety. Which is how that, <laughs> how are you supposed to? You can't manipulate that, especially not, you know, from our vantage point. But, um, you know, I do. It, it affects it for me. So it's like, well, what's a piece that's kind of like. Oh, Mahler 4. Mm-hmm. Mahler 4 might be my favorite piece. Oh, wow. Just because it's like, it's it's succinct, you know. And and the last movement is just, there's no, if you're human, there's no way the last movement doesn't just, um, just get you, you know. So I, I feel like that's, I hate to factor in audience reaction or projected audience reaction, but. Um, no, I mean, we're, we're in live performance we're in entertainment so i mean yeah um, so I, I would say that's that's i mean that's at least top three okay Mahler four yeah you know and there's always a mauler in there i mean it probably changes but <laughs> based on based on the day but yeah i mean one of my picks 
yeah there's not a piece i'd want to play every day or anything like that but i really wish we would um so it's actually Bach saint matthew passion um or barmady yeah there, there's some great great violin solos in there but it's just a great piece and it's bach you know there's no wasted no wasted bars in there no wasted bass lines no wasted any line really yeah and uh well yeah we certainly don't get to play it as much as we should yeah um i mean but as you said you could almost name okay you know name a brahms symphony that's gonna be yeah but i think the ones we just picked are like very special i mean not that brahms isn't but um you know i think brahms two three or four for me are all Mm-hmm. I don't know why I can't get into one. <laughs> I just can't. It's not just because of that solo. Just speaking of dreaded moments, um, <laughs> solos I would not look forward to playing. But yeah, for me, it's, it's sort of has to be the conditional tense since I don't actually play these solos almost ever. <laughs> never say never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think you know, I think Saint Matthew Passion is a really good pick. Well, thank you. <laughs> Wish I could. Uh... <laughs> your few picks today and i haven't just <laughs> happy to have your, your agreement with something <laughs> um are you is that it for for pieces for now i think so move I'll, on to, I'll, uh, let you know if I, can. I can't believe we're closing out with favorite conductors this seems somehow against the against the orchestral player's spirit you mean like we shouldn't have favorite conductors like an oxymoron <laughs> uh, jumbo shrimp <laughs> um well, okay, I mean, of course you have it. I mean, even at like a terrible restaurant, you have your favorite dish, right? Or maybe not. <laughs> um, uh, not that we're eating at a terrible restaurant. Um, well, so I mean, you go, you know. Right. Um, well, and I was when I was putting this together, I was thinking, you know, how much of this is, I don't know what you would call it. You know, it's kind of like they say your your closest friends are the ones you make either in college or just out of college and I think that's that's largely been true in our lives and for conductors you know so many of my strongest impressions were right people who came through in school or people that I school that's because you went to Curtis (laughs) well but I would say more more than that right the people that I saw in my first few years working they always seemed larger than life and yeah we've mentioned Daniel Barenboy many times Mm-hmm. even in this episode yeah not to mention other episodes definitely um, on my list and you know simon rattle uh, i guess the strongest impression he made was when i was still in school and he really only came in for a whirlwind sort of you know he was he did a two-hour rehearsal i think and um yeah i think the the word for me is inspiration right and maybe that's easier Maybe it's easier to inspire an idealistic 20-year-old or 24-year-old than whatever advanced age we are now. But, you know, both of them had a way of really just making you want to play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, someone we still see is um, Zubin Mehta mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, I never cease to marvel at how little, a little actual movement it takes, or even energy. He doesn't, you know. I mean, he has no. He has, he has energy, but you know, he, he's he has to be so economical with it. You know, 
at his age and you know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's incredible. You know, he just, you know, partially his personality is just this sort of this weird combination that you don't always see where someone's, you know, they're, they've reached a stature where they, they just expect, they can expect, um, full attention and attention to detail and, um, and they get it, you know, and that's, that creates, that's just, is the perfect setting for, for any music to be made. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, you know, someone like that has come through so many times too, you know, it's, it's like respect is given, respect is earned. I'm just right. I'm thinking of like a football quarterback. If you're, <laughs> if you're in the huddle in a big moment and you're having to say, all right, let, listen guys, all right, pay attention. <laughs> Then it's kind of like you've already lost, you know, but yeah. And, um, you know, you think somebody, I think you look at somebody like that or Baron Boy, and you just imagine that they are jerks You're, you know, they're, (laughs) they're so full of themselves, you know, and yet, um, you know, and I would put Muti on my list of favorites too, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, but uh, maybe careful. I mean, he of of those three, I think he's probably one the most imperious of the three. Mm-hmm. I mean, we mentioned, and then I think Baron Boyne probably after that. But um, I don't know. I think that you know, actually, when you're making music with these people, um, it does feel like um, a collaboration. It doesn't feel as if they're just imposing their will on you, you know, which I think is the stereotype of the great maestro in a right. lot of ways. Um, and I don't think it's really true. I think if you're, if you're actually in the orchestra, the great ones, of course I can't speak for like Reiner famously, you know, <laughs> awful, but um, you know, they just foster that, that feeling that, that, that this is like the, the art is something that's being made together. They may be leading mm-hmm. it, but, um, and that's, that's, you know, those are my favorite moments. Well, they're vulnerable up there too. I mean, they, they have to rely on what the orchestra does. And yeah, I think the, the best ones realize that. And even, right. Even if they're, even if they have a heavy hand and they don't want (laughs) discussion about what it is they're, they're demanding, they know that in the end, they're only going to get what they can get out of the orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we've certainly seen them look disappointed but I don't know it's all part of it feels like it's all part of this process of making something so yeah I I imagine I mean we've never worked at companies with sort of traditional business type CEOs Um, I mean although you know every orchestra we've been in has had a CEO the person that we see much more often is the music director um and right, that's what what you hear about great CEOs is that they they lead, they inspire, they have big egos, um, but they they have to be right more than they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I I think you know in our case especially there's just a uh, you know if the performance feels great then you know that's all that's what we need from each other you know. Yeah. Well, any any more conductors to add, or is that a? Oh, yeah, you know, we could good... we could you know <laughs> certainly go down a list and you know talk about what we love, or maybe we won't talk about what we didn't love, but you know, um, 
But I, I think those are for me like uh, it's very special. Yeah. And I can think of very special, and you know, certainly due to Mel, we've had some really really special concerts with him. Right. Um. So yeah, but you know, he's he's young and vibrant, so. <laughs> I think of him so nostalgically. We've got, we've got a lot of time to sing yeah. his praises. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> knock on wood. Well, is that a good uh, good look back at the entirety of our careers? And hopefully, that's not all the, our material now for the next two years. No, well, that you know, if you'll uh, come back as we as we resume stand partners for life here, we're gonna, as I said earlier in the broadcast, look more at the week-to-week goings-on and we've, we've got a lot more categories a lot more uh, prizes to give out and uh right you know the the tagline for the show is the secrets of the symphony and yeah you know we want to show you what goes on week to week and i think it's just uh akiko's akiko's dirty dirty laundry <laughs> just rename it <laughs> well we do hope you'll come back thanks for staying with us through the long break all those who were uh, original stand partners for life fanatics and uh this is your first episode come back and uh we'll have have a new one for you each week so thanks akiko thanks for doing this again